Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a How I Got Here version of the podcast with Kyle Novak, the race director for the IndyCar series. It's pretty cool to have somebody like that on the podcast, or at least I'm excited about it. Uh, I got to talk to Kyle Novak during the Long Beach Grand Prix, and I don't want to give too much of the story away, but basically I asked uh, some IndyCar people, hey, you know, like who has a really cool story in the IndyCar world of, of their career path and their journey to get to where they are? And Kyle Novak's name came up from a couple people. So I hope that's something that you will enjoy listening to. And uh, you know what? Let's get right into it. All right, everybody. I'm here with Kyle Novak. And uh, Kyle, this is really cool of you to join me right after practice here. So thanks for thanks for doing that, first of all. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, so first of all, can you tell us uh, a little bit about your role now so we can understand how you got to this point? Sure. Well, I'm race director of the Verizon IndyCar Series, uh, which really you handle all aspects of the on-track operations of, of any event. Uh, we have a great, great staff that handles the details in every single department, and I manage that staff in the room. Uh, but it, it's a pretty big undertaking, but we have great people that, that helps, help us get it done. So was was racing on your radar? Was this like a goal of yours when you were growing up or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I always knew I wanted to work in the in the sports industry. Uh, had a calling to motorsports uh, growing up. Uh, my dad and I are big car guys, muscle car guys. We both drag race when we can on the weekends. We have a small two-car hobby operation uh, that when I'm not at, at the racetrack for IndyCar that we're racing on the weekend. So You still do that? We still do. Okay, yeah, we cool. Have, we have two cars uh, that we take a lot of pride in. It's a lot of work, but it, it still keeps me close to kind of the, you know, the, the grassroots side of it, and we have a, a lot of fun with it. But... Growing up in that atmosphere, always being a huge NASCAR fan, huge IndyCar fan, you know, even more recently Formula One, anything with with four wheels has been a big, um, always been a big part of my life. So um, never really intended it, but I'm glad it worked out that way for sure. So how did you get your start? Like, what were you doing in college that put you started to put you on this path? Right. So I man, I went to under did my undergraduate work at Bowling Green State University. Was a sport management major there. Um, but actually, uh, as part of my major program there, you had to do two internships. And the two internships that I did, uh, one was with uh, the football program. And Urban Meyer was the coach there. So uh, he was in his second year of his two-year tender at Bowling Green. And after that, I actually had the opportunity to, uh, and this is what ga- the gateway drug, so to speak, into racing, was uh, working for IMG Motorsports when they still promoted the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Grand Prix, one that's very near, an event that was very near and dear to me, a very special event. But uh, that's got me into the race, racetrack, race operation side of things, and you know, spooled eventually into where we are today. So before we continue more in the racing part of it, tell me a little bit about what it was like to work for Urban Meyer or work with him. Um, I mean, obviously he wasn't uh, the star coach that he is today, but um, I'm sure that the makings of one were there. What did you learn from him? Uh, it was very special. Uh, it, you know, you come when you go through life and you come across people, there's probably a few people, even Jeff, that, you know, mentors or anything else. And he was one of those people that even – when he was there and, and he was really on, nobody, on nobody's radar screen, you he just tell he had that presence. And hey, I'm a taller guy, I'm a bigger guy, and I have to have thick skin to deal with, um, you know, 
a lot of these drivers and team managers who are some of the sharpest people I've ever met, but there's not a whole lot of people that, that intimidated me or if they looked at me in the eye that in my life I've ever met that kind of put that fear of you better do a good job, and he's one of those guys, maybe the only guy besides maybe my parents, but uh, um, just a very intense, uh, clear guy that uh, can just get every last ounce of energy out of anyone, and that's you know tribute to his success as well. Wow. So have you taken any of uh, th- those leadership things along with you uh, at different stops or without your career? Is it two different, two different things? Not two different things. I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that, uh, and keep in mind when, when Urban got there, uh, when he got to Bowling Green, I mean, the program was, was in, you know, shambles. Mm-hmm. Um, Bowling Green being a small major school, but with a proud football tradition, especially in the state of Ohio. Um, it was like I said in shambles, and the biggest thing he instilled in his players and in all of his staff is that of accountability. Hmm. And I remember one of the one of the coolest stories, and talk about something that sticks with you, is uh, one of the players, uh, wide receivers in a drill or, or uh, some insignificant thing in practice dropped a pass. Oh my bad, coach, my bad. And I remember him jumping that player saying, "My bad. Of course it's your bad. Everyone saw it was your bad. Just catch the ball, and you don't have to say it." So this this issue of excuses, you know, leading to accountability, it was uh, something that always stuck with me for my career, and something I've always taken with me. Wow. So you said you got the racing bug, or at least even more um, from that side once you did the um, Cleveland Grand Prix stuff. What was your next step after that? Well, Cleveland kind of led to more track construction. So I actually did that event from 03 until, uh, you know, Champ Car was absorbed into IndyCar, I think, 08. Um, so I did that event from 03 to 08. And during that time, I had the opportunity to work on um, the Denver event, the Grand Prix of Denver, um, consult on a couple more street courses, um, one other can't remember off the top of my head. I did three races in 2006, um, and that kind of led to me meeting so many people and a few people I actually still work with today uh, in race control, but I met them in my race track construction operations capacity that kind of started helping me meet you know, people in the sanctioning body side. That led me to an opportunity to be series manager for the um, Volkswagen Jetta TDI Cup. So that got me onto the series management side. With the with the racetrack construction type thing that you're talking about, so it, it's like you're somebody gives you a design and they're saying go make this happen, go put the walls here, fences here, and you're trying to figure out is that correct? Yeah, we actually uh, the firm I worked for we actually did the design work too. Oh, they did the design. We, too? we did okay. it all uh, soup to nuts, so to speak. And but but what was cool about the race operation side was. Now, as race director, especially coming to a street course like Long Beach, you really have a really uh, ground-up understanding of what it takes to put the event together and the challenges that the promoter has, and there are many, the immense cost, um, down to how the cabling runs, which might affect how your race controls laid out and, and, and those types of things. So it all comes together, and that fundamental knowledge I learned uh, on the racetrack construction side really gave me a good foundation for now being on the sanctioning body side and run, running the race. So it's really a holistic view of the whole, whole event from the ground up. So what was your path moving up the ladder once you ended up on the sanctioning body side of things? How did you, um, you know, go from, from level to level, I guess? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a lawyer, so after the TDI Cup stuff, uh, um, t- times being what they were, uh, 2008, 2009, I thought it was time to pursue a uh, 
personal goal and find some more growth. I, I got a law degree. Um, After I'm, all that, you yeah, got you yeah, got a law degree. Yeah, wow. a law degree, and I'm, I passed the bar in Michigan. I went to Ohio Northern University for law school. Um, kind of practiced solo for a while, and, and uh, stayed always stayed in touch with a, a lot of my good friends and um, a good friend of mine with IMSA came calling who I stayed in touch with and said we have the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo race director job it was halfway through the 2015 season are you interested and, and went out to VIR for their race and really was just blown away by how impressive IMSA's race operations were um, next race at Coda I'm the race director for Lamborghini Super Trofeo and that was a really cool season for me because yeah I'm a rookie race director but we actually hosted, IMSA hosted the Lamborghini Super Trofeo World Finals that year in Sebring. So it was this smorgasbord of racing because we had eight races, including the World Championship shootout on the last day. Uh, so that was a good way for a rookie race director like myself to really get acclimated quickly to, to a, you know, a high level of sports car racing. Wow. So you were doing that, um, and then how did this opportunity uh, present itself? So worked up through... Um, Worked up kind of almost through the IMSA race director ladder, so to speak. So the okay. following year had the opportunity to do Porsche GT3 Cup USA, and uh, IMSA also sanctions a Canadian counterpart to the series, and there's some joint events. And uh, did that for two years, 16 and 17. Uh, and 17 was the race director as well, in addition to those two series, was the race director for Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Wow. Uh, so I had a very full plate in 2017, and... Um, had the opportunity because some of our IndyCar staff works uh, with IMSA as well, especially in race control. It's just a, such a small community. Uh, had the opportunity to come in contact with Jay Fry through my travels and some of the joint IMSA, um, IMSA IndyCar slash IMSA events like here, for example, and uh, just stayed in touch, and here we are now. What's what's the key to being a good race director? What What do you have to do right? Uh, two things, and well, much more than two things, but two things I take away are you have to trust your staff. You have to trust uh, everything they do because there is no way that any one person can manage these sessions as complex as our technology is now and as layered as our approach is now with video replay um, and all that stuff. So you have to trust your people that, you know, they have to trust you. Uh, especially when, you know, it's a pressure cooker in there during some races. And the other thing is, I think, as you interact with the drivers and teams, you have to listen, and you have to be open to their feedback, um, and, and you have to take care of them in the sense that, you know, the perspective that they have is incredibly meaningful. Um, and the, the, the very impressive thing about the IndyCar paddock, and I'm still – um, still blown away by is how lucid our drivers are. They, you know, there was always the urban legend that they, you know, they could see a quarter at the apex, and I, you, know, you laugh about that, but now I believe it. Uh, really? They come to me with, you know, Kyle did did the, you know, just throwing something. Kyle did the wall at turn three move, you know, six inches left or right? Well, yeah, it did, and they can see this sometimes without being prompted, um, and it's just the level of what they see and, and how they can think about it and communicate it even during a session I'm, I'm just I'm just blown away by and that that raises our game because not you can't let anything fall through the cracks or assume that they won't see it or know about it they do and and, and it's very impressive so let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like man that would be so cool to be a, a race director of a series and get to call these races um, how would somebody get their start what would you recommend talk to everyone 
reach out, um, email email people, meet, you know, go find the officials. You know, so many, so many of our fans, obviously, are there for the drivers, and that's the show, right? The show and the drivers. We never pretend that uh, we're the show or, you know, fans come to see us. We, we prefer for anyone... Uh, for everyone not to know who we are, that's how we know. It's like an umpire. You know, you're doing a good job if you don't know who the umpire is. But uh, you got to meet people. The key to any industry, and especially in motorsports, is is who you know. You know, hey, um, one of one of my really good friends that works for IMSA started out by just saying, hey, I, I think race operations is for me. Can I come to a race? And that's that was truly his gateway into uh, where he is now and very successful young race operations guy. And that's all it really takes. I want to get involved, and, and, and it is such a small industry that uh, we're always, always happy to see people, young people, anybody that's interested in what we do because it's a unsung side of the business, and maybe in a good way. But, uh, you know, we really appreciate anyone that has an interest in that, and that's, so that's what I recommend anyone doing. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's really cool to talk to you and learn more about it. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. So there you have it. Man, that'd be pretty cool like to just be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to um, you know, help Urban Meyer out when, when he was starting his career in football. Like, oh, yeah, no big deal, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool. I'd probably like put that in my Twitter profile or something if that was me. But uh, anyway, thank you to Kyle Novak for doing that. Really appreciate his time. And I'm really glad to hear from so many of you that you seem to be enjoying the series so far this year. I get tweets every week saying, hey, you know, I really like this one or that one. And honestly, it's been a blast for me to sit down and talk to the people like this who I'd never get a chance to find out their backstory otherwise. Um, even people in, in the NASCAR world who I'm around every week, it's just kind of odd how you don't really sit down and talk to people. You know, you just, you're just used to them being there. So you don't say, so what's your story anyway? So... I've really gotten to enjoy doing that this year, and um, thanks for listening to all these week after week. I'm coming off a week where I wasn't at the racetrack, so I don't have a 12 questions and how I got here in the can. So I will be doing those at Dover International Speedway this weekend. Not sure with who quite yet, but then there will be a post-race podcast Sunday night after the Dover race. You know, some questions out there. Is Jimmy Johnson going to show that he still has it and win at his best track? Um, Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick, who you got? Their battle continues. So some interesting things going to Dover. We'll break all that down Sunday night after the race. Of course, if you enjoy the podcast and you wouldn't mind spreading the word, you could leave a rating on iTunes if you feel like it. Any feedback like that would be appreciated because... I believe how it works is the more ratings and the more downloads and stuff like that, you could potentially move up in the rankings or, you know, when somebody's searching for a podcast, they could help find you. So um, any, any assistance you guys could provide in doing that would be appreciated. So again, thank you as always for listening. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.